0: I, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, am an unqualified success. Now get the
1: cards, the drugs, from my general... Years ago, I took on every wrestling promoter
0: throughout North America. I kicked every one of their
1: asses. The the with me.
0: In a court of law, I took on the United States of America and I kicked her ass. I took on WCW and it took me a while, but I kicked their asses. Not because I was an asshole, no no. Ask me Mr. McMahon, what's your secret? More than any one quality that makes me the successful man that I am, ruthless aggression. So I want to know here tonight, as you stand here on my ring. Which one of you has that quality? Who among you has that one single ingredient? Who has enough ruthless aggression?
2: South Connection. Welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast and it is pay-per-view show. The final pay-per-view of the calendar year 2002 at WWE. Big moment. I've been covering this for a while, so it's going to be fun to get out of this calendar year. Well, a bit after, but the pay-per-view. I, I always enjoy these pay-per-views because they feel like a big deal. But I-, I will bring up my guest who has been on before, but never for a pay-per-view so I guess in this case I'll have to uh, rename this the uh, ruthlessly Aggressives podcast because my my guest on this one is the uh, is the host of uh, Piece of the Action as well as uh, quite a few wrestling podcasts, um, a couple with me on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed, and that is the illustrious Matt Souza. What's up, Matt?
3: Illustrious, my goodness, what a wordsmith, Jake. Uh, good to be here <laughs> as always. Uh, great to be here for a uh, for a pay per view and. Uh, we'll get into it what a pay-per-view it is what a show my goodness
2: it is one. the of course the end of the world theme uh yes of armageddon. which end of the year end well, of the world theme. It,
3: all, all too real <laughs> given the current climate of things
2: right right i feel like every pay-per-view of the last two years should have been called armageddon <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but but um yeah it'll be an interesting one um so bet you've been on before so we won't rehash you know like your history as a fan of this era. But I will ask you, um, since it is a pay-per-view, how well do you remember this? I guess maybe not just remember it, but how many times have you seen this show? I feel like, in my experience, I don't know if I've ever watched this one from start to finish. I've definitely Mm -hmm. seen the main event before. And I feel like I've seen a lot of the other stuff I feel I completely kind of forgot about.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm kind of in a similar boat to you. I, I I may have seen the full show one time through prior to watching it for this show, but and, and I had definitely seen like the two big title matches before. But mm-hmm. as far as the full show, I, I, I know I had the DVD. I probably still have it somewhere, but I can't remember the last time I watched it through all the way. So it was inter- interesting
2: to watch. Yeah, it's like something I've noticed with these is that I'm constantly in my head have conflated all these different shows as being like the first SmackDown only show or the, the first um, like Raw only show. And I think this one in my head, I always assumed like, oh, well, that's got to be like one of the first Raw exclusive pay-per-views because why else would they do a 40-minute Raw pay- uh, like uh, main event unless <laughs> right. you know they were trying to fill time because they only have half the roster. But no, they just – did it anyway? As we'll see, <laughs> they, sure uh, they sure did. They sure did. They sure did do that, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, so we'll go ahead and jump right into the show because there's a lot going on in this one. Even if it is, um, you know, maybe I would see a bit of a forgotten show, but we'll, we'll get into it. No news and notes on this. We covered them on the last one, as this happened the same week as our um, last episode. We are live from Fort Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So a bit of a, a random spot for a pay per view. Definitely. I feel like not in their, you know, one of their top <laughs> ten places seems a bit random. <laughs> um, what you get with these B pay-per-views, I mean, famously Armageddon 2000 is um, in a. Uh, even though I had that star-studded main event. I think that was in what, like Birmingham, Alabama, or something.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was somewhere in Alabama. Birmingham sounds right, which is again not in the top ten of uh, WWE haunts by any stretch.
2: Right. Right. Um, I, could it be that they wanted to give the uh, the roster a little bit of time in Florida, away from the uh, the the chilly December weather? Possibly. We yeah, that's a great. Hang, that's hang a good point. <laughs> wrestlers are probably happy because I feel like I feel like ninety five percent of wrestlers live in Tampa, Florida, right? <laughs> so the, the, the home of all wrestlers. Uh, but anyway, we get into the the open. We get the uh, the Freddie Blassie intro. The very melodramatic. Uh, epic intro with like um, <laughs> the the cult here was something else. This was like I should uh, call Rocco in because this is some uh, some death metal <laughs> stuff. Like he tells us that um, Freddie Blassie is telling us that men will beg for death in the end times. <laughs> and uh, we just get a lot of like um, like stock footage of like atom bombs going off and rockets launching and I guess like nuclear war. <laughs> so um, that's how we started off in this pay-per-view. Uh, I nice, guess. Nice. 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 Joyous
3: start. <laughs> Nice joyous start to this uh, aptly titled pay-per-view called Armageddon, my lord.
2: <laughs> right, like a week out from Christmas. Right. Adam bombs and <laughs> it's always funny, like Freddie Blassie selling himself. Men will beg for death in the end times. <laughs> and then that song, um, the the end is near. <laughs> so that was the theme of this one. I think yes. that's a Jim Johnston, uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Anyway, so we get in, we get our uh, typical big pyro open, and we head straight into the show. We are going to start off with our um, our four-way tag elimination match for the tag team championship. It is going to be the Dudleys, um, recently reunited, Booker T and Goldust, uh, Storm and Regal, and then the champs Christian and Jericho. Um, you know, this was thrown together pretty quickly, but I do kind of like the the multiple threads that they have going on here. Like, you have the Dudleys reunited, so they kind of seem like legit contenders because, you know, maybe heat them up and uh coming Since they just reunited, you have Booker T and Goldust. This is like their last chance mm-hmm. uh, with the whole Goldust being the weak link. Uh, Storm and Regal, kind of obviously the underdogs, but not the worst filler you could have. And, of course, you have the champs. But I could easily have gone into this and seen – the Dudleys or Booker T and Goldust taken this one. I don't know about you, man.
3: Yeah, uh, going into this, my thought would have been uh, the Dudleys uh, definitely, considering they had just reunited a month later and they were pretty hot with, their, uh, with them getting back together. So I, I could have easily seen them
2: winning this going into it. Right. And like, I think logic would tell you, well, you got to let Booker T and Goldust win because this is kind of a last chance for them to have their moment. But mm-hmm. they haven't really seen to give much of a shit about that before, so it wouldn't shock right. me if they just kind of threw him under the bus here and said, "I, right, I exactly. guess Goldust was the weak link." Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we we start off early in my head too. up. like, I keep wanting to think this is a tables match, even though it's not, just because the Dudleys are in it. It's like if the Dudleys are in a match with a bunch of dudes, it has to be a table match or a TLC, but it's not. It's just a, a typical uh, like elimination tack. So the Dudleys kind of wreck shop, probably get the crowd into it. Um, but they don't realize when Regal catches a blind tag, and we get kind of a sloppy pin exchange between uh, Bubba and Regal. It's kind of weird. Uh, they kind of have this weird debate on commentary as to whether Bubba was pinned or not. I, it, I wasn't really sure if they were going for that or if they were going for that, and they just botched it or what, but it was it was definitely sloppy. Goldnuss sneaks in. He eliminates Regal pretty quickly. I mean, this is only a couple minutes into the match, but uh, real odd here as, um, like, Super quickly, like Bubba eliminates Regal and then Goldust, sorry, uh, Goldust eliminates Regal and then the Dudleys get eliminated too. So within two minutes of this match, it just ends up being kind of a regular tag match. It just kind of, I don't know, Matt, I I didn't totally understand the point of like why even do the elimination match. The only thing I could think of is maybe you're trying to set up a few between the Dudleys and Storm and Regal, but this is an odd way to do it.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I, I just real strange. I don't get what the, like you said, why even do a four-way tag if you're going to eliminate the team, two of the teams in three minutes just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, like, uh, unless they were just trying to get the Dudleys on the show somewhere. But yeah, just real strange, real, real strange. I'm not exactly sure what <laughs> the overall point of it was, but...
2: Right. Like, why not, if you want to do Regal and the Dudley boys, give them their own match? Because as we're going to see on the show, they could easily squeeze something else in if they wanted to. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, just real, real strange. But anyway, so we end up kind of just with a... Uh, a Booker T and Goldust versus uh, Christian and Jericho match, which is something we've seen on Raw quite a few times. So we'll see if they can, the the faces can finally take it. Goldust uh, ends up taking a pretty uh, sick spill to the outside. He kind of flies out through the ropes, which is pretty good. Jericho's after and hammers him. I thought Jericho had some nice aggression on this team. Like to me, he kind of carries this. Christian's fine and kind of does his job, but Jericho is definitely the uh, the the clear leader here, and it comes off even in the matches. Um, so they continue to fight that the um, the the faces continue to fight valiantly as uh, the heels isolate Goldust um, really good face stuff from Goldust here. I thought his selling and like all his mannerisms are really good and the crowd is really behind him. They've been really over with the crowd, but especially with Goldust kind of, you know, call himself the weak link. You could tell the crowd has a lot of sympathy for him. He finally gets Booker T and but Jericho cuts him off and locks him in the walls booker t is able to uh, get out of it hit the his scissors kick for a really awesome near fall um, the crowd bit on that one pretty good jericho gets frustrated as he does many times and usually goes to the chair but since he's a champ he goes for the title and but as he's going for the title he comes in and gets hit with the bookend and quick pin by booker t wins the titles uh, i thought that finish was a bit anticlimactic kind of felt a little bit out of nowhere i thought they would milk this a little bit further than they did but Um, A cool moment for Booker T and Goldust, even if it maybe is a little bit too late or not perfectly built. I think the crowd was still into it, and it's a cool moment. Uh, Fun stuff. I like the performance from both when we did get down to the the regular tag. I thought the heels healed off well. The faces were good. Uh, I kind of wish one of my main gripes with it, it's not a huge deal, but like in a perfect world, I would have kind of liked to see Goldust pick up the pin. I feel like it would have made the whole story of him being the weak link. It would have just kind of added to it. And um, last thing I'll say, Matt, is this. They say on commentary, they give a good stat, an interesting stat. This is Booker T's 12th tag team title <laughs> reign, which is insane. Jeez. But I, I um, yeah, I enjoyed this match pretty well, um, despite the kind of weird start by having it be the four-way tag. I ended up going three stars on a mat. I thought this is pretty solid stuff.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I am just a skosh lower than you. I'm at two and three quarter on this. Uh, I, I really liked the last like fall, quote unquote, of this match with the two teams. I thought it was really well done. A really fun tag match. Um, yeah, just a, a Booker and Jericho had a real nice sequence that was really good. Ending with the walls of Jericho, like you said. Uh, the crowd was pretty hot for this, which, uh, as mm-hmm. we'll get to throughout the night, is a thing that doesn't happen <laughs> all that often. But right. we'll, we'll cross those bridges when we get there. Uh, the near falls at the end were really great. The one where, uh, Jericho had the belt shot and then he hit the line. saw I thought that was a fantastic near fall. That was really well done. And, uh, I do agree with you. The finish was a bit anticlimactic and, um, it would have made more sense if gold dust had, uh, picked up the pin here, given the storyline, but uh, I, I still enjoyed the match quite a bit. I would have liked to have seen more with all four teams in the ring instead of the mm-hmm. three and a half minutes that we did get with all four of them, but yeah, perfectly solid stuff and a fun way to open the show, so two and three quarter
2: for me. Yeah, good opener. Glad to see Booker T and Goldust get that moment, and we'll see where they go from here, because I honestly don't remember how much longer they stick around, but... Mm. Cool for them. And it makes sense, too, because you don't really get the sense that uh, Jericho and Christian are a long-term team. So I think Jericho kind of can move on to other things at this point, as we'll see. Right. But uh, uh, the post-match is is pretty fun, too, because um, as I covered on Raw, there was a moment where Coach kind of craps on them and says, Wow, you guys really choked. And he tells them to shove it up his ass. (laughs) And so it's funny when um, Coach comes here and tries to, like— like, wow, good, congratulations, guys. And Booker T says a lot of people didn't believe in them, like Coach, uh, but the fans <laughs> always gave them a chance. <laughs> and um, he tell, um, he tell Goldust tells Booker that he's not the weak link. Um, and can you dig that? And it's just a fun little feel-good moment to open the show with Booker T and Goldust. So uh, off of that, but good for them for telling Coach off.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Coach deserved it. He deserved <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: All right. I was not about if they told off Josh Matthews either as we hit to Josh Matthews backstage <laughs> yeah. as he tries to interview Brock. I, I want to say this is, I mean, I guess he was probably on the Ryan Gray special of Sunday Night Heat and Velocity. But this is the first time I can remember seeing Josh Matthews on these. But uh, he tries to get an interview of Brock. Brock kind of just, <laughs> like, no-sells him. He asks um, if if he's going to be in Kurt's corner, and all Brock will tell him is, I'm going to make an impact. So, Obviously, a reference to the newly um, the new organization TNA that had uh, premiered earlier Abs- in the summer absolutely. of two thousand two. Absolutely, uh, uh,
3: that Brock Lesnar threatening to leave already in two thousand and two. My goodness.
2: Now, now, Matt, as somebody who maybe, I mean, I feel like few few people on earth are following this era as closely as me doing the pod. But did you get the <laughs> sense, like, just on this show, that the whole? Um, like, is Brock going to be in his corner? Did you find that compelling? Because they definitely are going to beat – they've been beating into the ground on TV, and they're going to beat into the ground on this show. What did you think of this as like a um, – I don't know, a, a, a storyline going into that match, I'll say. <sighs> uh, it, it's not my favorite thing because I feel <laughs> like –
3: it makes Brock the main focus of a title match that he's not in type of thing. Like It's just weird that the title match is Angle and Big Show, but I feel like more of the build has been centered around what is Brock Lesnar going to do, which probably isn't great, given that it's a WWE title match. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I mean... I'm assuming Brock really was hurt at this point from, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you remember Survivor Series, he had the ribs all taped up, and that match was Mm -hmm. four and a half minutes long. So I'm assuming Brock really was injured, and that's why they were doing this, just to get him on the pay-per-view. But I feel like they probably could have found a better way to do it.
2: Right. Yeah, you're definitely right. It's the whole reason why we had this whole big show. I don't know what you're going to – I don't even know what to call this, this whole big show experiment that they've done – (laughs) <laughs> I think it would make more sense if, like, the guy who was challenging wasn't Kurt Angle. Like, you don't really get – I mean, like, if it was some schmuck, I could see, like, well, yeah, this guy has no chance unless Brock helps him. But, like, Kurt Angle is a right. former champion and, like, a complete stud. So it's just a weird thing for Kurt. And, and Kurt's also, like, a heel. Would he really accept Brock, who's like a face, as help? It's a, Yeah, like you said, it just feels a bit shoehorned to make sure Brock's presence is known here. And, right. Yeah, I don't know. I would have made it maybe I think if they would have framed it more as like uh like Brock, not that he's gonna be in Angles corner, but he might do something to screw over Big Show. Not because he wants to right. help Kurt, but just because he hates Big Show would have been, I think wouldn't have been a little less weird. But yeah, mm-hmm. they are yeah, they hammered him to the ground. They never shut him. They possibly.
3: sure do. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs>
2: All right. But we will uh um, we'll head to our next match, which is um Kind of been set up in the last couple weeks on SmackDown after Albert um, injured Edge's buddy, Ray, and former tag team partner, tag team championship partner, uh, as the uh, the newly, four, I guess I should be calling him A-Train, like Taz does here. He forgets to call him A-Train at one point, and I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> I just want to call him Albert, but this is a very, like, this just screams like a December pay-per-view match. It just seems so random, like Edge versus... Yeah a train and a singles match is just odd. <laughs> odd, but it at least has had some build, you know, they did build it on SmackDown decently enough. I, at this point this is the show. I really started to notice the setup. What I thought was pretty cool. It's like sheet metal with like flames coming out of it. I think mm-hmm. I'm just like any, anything that's like an actual set these days, I pop for, even though 100%. this was really right. It didn't have much of a coherent theme, but I was like, Oh, that's cool. Sheet metal. That's on fire. Cool. Um, But uh, anyway, yeah, so good dynamic here. You have Edge using the drop kicks to the back and stuff, like um, working kind of like the little guy against a bigger guy, which is cool because he, I think, Edge is usually, you know, not really considered a small guy. So it's cool to see him kind of playing that role. Albert is bringing it pretty well. I was kind of pleasantly surprised by Albert's. Albert in this one it wasn't like amazing but it was cool and Edge fighting underneath uh, he gets caught in a uh, I believe it was a Baldo bomb they didn't really call it that but I think he did hit the Baldo bomb but uh, Edge survives that as Albert gets continually frustrated that he can't put Edge away so he ends up grabbing a chair which um, delays Albert for a second which allows Edge to hit the spear which Albert actually kicks out a big spot for Albert A-Train sorry A-Train I keep forgetting but um (laughs) And then kind of a sucky finish, though, because after he kicks out of the spear, I guess at this point he's thinking he has no chance. So as he recovers, he ends up hitting edge with the chair for the cheap DQ. Um, Like, solid match, but because they just kind of went to the the cheap DQ finish, you never really got to finish any kind of story that they were maybe telling. I thought it was solid for what it was. Ended up going two and a half, map, But, um, you know, and I know it was a callback to – you know, what this whole angle was based on, but it was a little flat as far as a um a finish to this match. It like it played off as if they're gonna have a rematch and I don't know if there's really a reason for Edge to have a rematch with Albert at this point. So but uh two and a half right. for me, Matt. <laughs>
3: Yeah, uh I went two on it. Uh first of all, thank God Edge's Rob Zombie theme music isn't dubbed over. That would have made me very angry number 1. Uh but it, yeah, honestly, I didn't have much to say about this this uh I'll I'll use the old cliche I always use this match existed. Uh but it was <laughs> it, it, it was pretty energetic energetic uh it felt like a like an hour one smackdown match which i mean i I guess isn't the worst thing but uh boy that finish is real rough isn't it i mean (laughs) i i get why they're doing it because it looks like you know we'll get into it later on again but it looks like they're gonna give a train a pretty decent spot moving forward so i get not necessarily wanting edge to pin him yet but also in the same breath, why are you making the match if you don't want to have A-Train get pinned, have A-Train just destroy somebody else besides Edge if you don't want Edge mm-hmm. to eat a pin either. So, yeah, it was a, a weak finish to a fine enough match. Uh, post-match, uh, the chair shot that Edge hits A-Train with was uh, disgusting, just completely brutal. But, uh, yeah, it was perfectly fine for what it was. It was a, a weak finish to a decent enough match, so I, I'll give it the gentleman's two stars.
2: Yeah, I feel like you like that post match, like Edge going after him with the chair after the DQ. I feel like it was them really trying to get across Edge's mean streak. And I feel mm-hmm. like is maybe part of what they're going for with this whole Albert feud. Uh, I guess if you consider it a feud, is like to to get across it. Like the whole thing is him trying to get revenge for Ray and maybe showing a little bit more of an aggressive streak. Right. But uh, yeah, that Rob Zombie theme is sick. And it, now you have me thinking like, um, and it just really hit pretty well in theme songs. Like for somebody who's had like three different themes, if you count the brood and then the Rob Zombie and then the, uh, the altar bridge, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pretty good three, uh, theme songs. Like tonight, I have one dud in there is pretty, right. he
3: could have been saddled with like Nickelback or something. And instead they gave him, <laughs> they gave him somebody
2: good. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's the bad butt rock and there's a the good butt rock. And he, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> He hit the jackpot, the butt, the butt rock jackpot. <laughs> we all dream about. Yeah, don't we all? All right. We head backstage for some big show and Heyman drama uh, show tells Heyman that impact means Brock will be in angles corner. So we're getting nervous. Big show as he's afraid of Brock's interfere in interference match. He wants to speak with Stephanie. Heyman tells him to calm down and that he is going to handle it. So more of this <laughs> is Brock going to be in the corner is what Stephanie going to do. I'm not that interested in this whole.
3: Nope,
0: not deal.
2: one bit. <laughs> <laughs> not very compelling. Nope, not very compelling. I do like a uh, nervous big show and Heyman is fun, but yeah, not the greatest material. <laughs> All right, but uh, we we keep chugging along though. Uh, as we now are going to get another kind of thrown together, but not a match. Most people are going to complain about in 2002. And that's going to be Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Uh, Like I said, not a ton of juice to this one. It kind of seems like this is just to give Benoit something to do while he waits for um, for Angle to take care of business, because really that's his main feud or really the slow burn feud they've been burning really throughout the entire fall and into now in the winter, is him and Angle. So this kind of seems like, uh, you know, we have a pay-per-view. We want you to be on there because you're talented. We want Eddie on here. We know if we give you guys some time, you'd go out and have a banger. And there we go. Here we are. Uh, The purple tights on Benoit. That's, I feel like, a look that you don't see very often. I don't know if that stood out to you, Matt. The purple tights were...
3: Well, I'm colorblind, so you could have told me those are blue. Oh, but right. blue, purple, same oh, thing.
2: I swear, man. I swear, man, I didn't mean to set you up like that.
3: No, no, that's quite all right.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> colorblind alert! <laughs>
3: they, <were> nice. <laughs> they were nice tights, I'll say that. But right. Blue and purple, very it's problematic. Very pl- problematic for these eyes. <laughs>
2: it's like... And Matt, do you notice the purple touch? No, I didn't because I'm fucking colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we start with some mat work, which you would expect from these two. Snug, good looking stuff. Real interesting stuff too, like um, like Eddie's holds particularly are just so slick. Like um, I, the one that stood out to me is he does this like uh, arm scissors. They just look super cool. I don't even know what you would call it, but he just <laughs> kind of had his leg wrapped around Angle's arm, and it just looked fantastic. Like just pulling all kinds of stuff that I can't name. Uh Taz is wondering, as Cole says, uh, that the Guerreros are here. Taz wonders if Grandma Guerrero is in the building tonight. <laughs> uh, we can only hope. Uh I did dig this as like them just kind of grinding each other down with the random submissions um when they look this good. Like it's kind of the uh the old Regal thing. Why I like some of those old Regal WCW matches where this stuff can easily get boring, but I think when you're doing it this well and you execute it this well, it's interesting and you kind of vary up the move. So I didn't, it didn't bother me much. I know some maybe not, don't dig this. feel like this um, is a little bit slow in the start. I don't know. How did you feel, Matt? Do you like all this? Uh, Cause do it for a good, I want to say like, it's almost the whole first half of the matches. I'm yeah. just kind of grinding each other down with the holds.
3: Yeah, uh, like you, I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I get why people don't like it. And like you said, they, it's not like they're just sitting there working, Uh, you know, just sitting there in a hold like uh, a, a, a certain TNA team we often watch that <laughs> locks in a lot of uh, uh, chin locks every now and then. But uh, it, it, they're actually uh, working a, a, wrestling, a wrestling hold and not sitting there like it's a rest hold. So it's different. But uh, yeah, uh, for me, it, it, it is a bit slow to start. But uh, what they're doing works for me. If that makes sense. like, mm-hmm. I found it slow, but it works. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense,
2: right, right, agree. So um, and I like when they finally start picking things up. Like when Benoit is finally able to start hitting the Germans, I like that he was kind of like kind of slow to hit him. Like he was struggling a little bit. Like he was really selling that he was kind of ground down from all the uh, all the the holds and stuff. Uh, Eddie comes back. He hits the frog splash, which Benoit is able to actually kick out of. And then we get the uh, the appearance of Chavo here as uh, Benoit ends up on the outside. Chavo sneaks a belt shot outside. Um, Benoit is still able to survive. He gets hooked in the lasso from El Paso. That's still not enough to beat him down. And I felt like this whole sequence particularly, if not the whole match, was really trying to get across. Like I, want, I feel like this whole match was really trying to get Benoit over as like as if they hadn't before. But... Like, really get across that he's like a tough bastard. Like, no matter what Eddie does, he can't put Benoit away. Um, mm-hmm. Chavo comes on the apron again. He takes this ridiculous helicopter bump <laughs> off the apron when um, Benoit strikes him, just spins for no apparent reason, and just hits the, hits the ground like a doof. Uh, we go back to the lasso from El Paso by Eddie, but Benoit is able to roll him into the crossface. Um, Eddie tries to escape and we get the uh, the classic pull him to the center of the ring with the cross face and Eddie has no escape and ends up tapping to the uh, to the cross face so um, awesome match I mean you wouldn't expect much less you'd be shocked if they didn't. Uh, It does feel I did find like if I'm going to critique this I didn't think it was an all time classic like maybe you'd expect from these. Like, I enjoyed it. was much more about them, the grind of it. But I did feel like, I don't know, it was kind of missing a middle. It's like I felt like we went from them kind of working the holds and everything and then kind of went straight to the, like, I don't want to say the finishing sequence. But it kind of picked up and then you could already, like, we get out of the holes and Eddie's already hitting the, the frog splash. Like, you're kind of going to the the ending sequences and Chavu interfering and you feel like the match is gonna in pretty soon. So that was a bit weird. Like we went from like first to third gear, which is a little odd, but still a really good match from these two. I went three and a half, which could be low, but still pretty damn good.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm at three and a half on this also for a lot of the same reasons you said, uh, a, sl- a slow beginning. And then once it ramped up, it really ramped up. And I mean, uh, this match goes like, I think I looked it up up like 17 minutes and mm-hmm. which is a, a decent length for this match but it could have used more time honestly like mm-hmm. you said so you can hit that second gear and you can have like a much more natural uh progression to the end and uh look there's a certain match later on in the show we're going to talk about that easily could have been cut for time to make more room for this match so but uh again we'll cross that bridge when we get to it um just great moves really throughout this match. Uh, Benoit's suplexes were nasty, and then Eddie hit a couple of his own that were really good. Uh, Eddie's frog splash always looks great. Uh, Chavo coming out uh, wasn't really necessary. <laughs> uh, both mm-hmm. times he came out, I should say, with the belt shot. And then when he does his uh, uh, Chavo, look at me, Guerrero, with that stupid windmill helicopter bump. Like, <laughs> Come on, we really didn't need that. And then, you know it just uh, Benoit was so good here I mean there's that sick power bomb he hits too where Eddie just gets crushed by it and then even uh the finish you have that little touch where uh, Benoit has Eddie in the cross face but Eddie's close to the ropes so he switches over to the other side so we could pull him farther away from the ropes and that leads to the finish I thought that was really great too mm. uh like you said maybe a touch lower than some of the other stuff we've seen out of them, but still really good. And, I mean, these two guys could have a three-star match with each other in their sleep. So, yeah, three and a half for me.
2: Yeah, like I said when I was going over, I really felt like one of their – it just seems like their goal in this match was to make Benoit look good. Like, he survives all this. He survives Chavo interfering. Like, it just made it seem like he's – like, it was a particularly – I don't know. Like, it was just getting him over as a face, I find, Mm -hmm. like, that he could overcome all this craziness. And I feel like for what's coming up for him in the the next few months, it kind of makes sense. But, uh, yeah, the last thing, the Chavo thing, this is a very specific reference. But all I could think of is if you've ever played, if anyone's ever played the game Super Mario 64, there's, like, on there you can, like, jump on these little flower people or something. (laughs) and And they make Mario, like, shoot up. And like he uh, spins like a <laughs> helicopter. That's if you know what that I'm talking about from Mario sixty four, that is what uh that's what Chavo looked like when he took that bump. So
3: Oh god, um, I may need to make a gif of that. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> right.
2: Uh well Chavo. Chavo's gonna travel, Chavo, but anyway. <laughs> good match for these two. What do you no shock there? All right. Now and this is so we we head backstage again to Heyman, and this is the point in the show where I'm like, and I know on these pay per views you stopped have to have some backstage segments because you got to break this up a bit, but like you said, this show I feel like is teetering on like feeling like a, a glorified SmackDown or something because like you said, yeah, you the Albert and Edge match they kind of felt like it could be on SmackDown. We're getting a lot of kind of backstage segments, so. At this point, the show is starting to worry. Like, I feel like they're leaning a bit too much on kind of like backstage stuff, and maybe hurting the flow of this. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. track that as we go. Uh, but anyway, Heyman is trying to make the case to Seth to Stephanie about uh, Brock being barred from ringside or being suspended. She's not having it, and um, Heyman says that the consequence will be that show will break Brock's neck. So. Again, I don't really understand the point of all this. This shit has been said on, on TV in the weeks leading up to this incessantly. I don't know why we have to come in and kind of have these empty segments mm-hmm. to just push this even more it just felt like they were trying to kill time for some reason
3: yeah uh, that that was my exact point i like they're trying to drive this point home with a brick like we get it we on we don't need like four segments explaining this and uh, the only other thing i had from this segment is uh during this uh steph had a comically large coffee mug in her hand i mean like it was (laughs) was the size of her fucking head but uh, yeah like we we don't need four segments explaining that what Brock's going to do. We already get it. We, we wrestling fans may be dumb at at some parts, but for <laughs> for god's sake, I think we're smart enough to understand this. Like for god's sake.
2: Right, like or if you're going to do this, it has to be cuz something's going to actually change. Like Stephanie has to be like, "Okay, I'll borrow from ringside." But he just goes in and she's like, "No, I'm not changing it." <laughs> and that's it.
3: It's yeah, like, all right. <laughs> you, you've said it perfectly It was a way to kill time <laughs> On the show, basically
2: Alright, so this This next uh, ordeal is going to be Quite a, a time killer as well Alright, so <laughs> we get a very Long cinemaxy Recap of Tori and Dawn With the most ridiculous Like, over-the-top <laughs> soap <laughs> opera Music you've ever heard Um they, This line where she says Um You know, every time I was looking into Tori's eyes, I was thinking of you, Al. And I was thinking, do you think David Flair was thinking of Al Wilson when he looked into Tori's (laughs) eyes back in 1999? Probably.
3: Probably. I mean, (laughs) Tori, you're (laughs) pretty hot,
2: but I'm just using you for Al.
3: That's how Dawn should have got it, Tori. She should have brought David Flair in too.
2: Would have been amazing. All right, so after this extremely like, I mean, this video package is like a good four minutes or something. Sure like is. intricate. Um. Anyway, so Dawn and Al head out to the ring. Taz comes in with the Al says that Al's head is like his heart, soft, which is amazing. And Taz, he also says that he would rather pass a kidney stone than see how Wilson. So, they're really getting Al over here. This man that has been on TV for weeks and weeks, Taz is telling us that seeing him on the screen is like passing a kidney stone. So, uh, we are told that Tori is not here. Dawn, uh, is ready to cut to the tape, which this has been hyped as that we're going to be able to see the uncut version of what happened in the hotel room. Taz is excited. says it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot, cold. And then after a little bit of teasing, um, Don finally uh, gets the goods. And it actually, so this is so strange to me that they play this on the, uh, like on the Tron in the arena. Like just <laughs> as I'm about to describe this, I just want you to imagine like your dad takes you to like a wrestling show. You're like 12 <laughs> or 12 or whatever. It's like, yeah, dad, let's take me to WWE. Let's go. Oh man, there's a pay-per-view in town. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. And then you're at, or better yet with your mom. You know, That's I was right. like, fine, <laughs> I'll take you. And then. This ends up on the screen. All right. So we, we, we see the same footage we saw on SmackDown, but instead of cutting off whenever um, Dawn starts to embrace Tori, we, uh, we stay there. Tori, she gives Tori some champagne. Tori chugs it down um, as we get further into this erotic thriller. Dawn tries to uh, essentially feed Tori a strawberry. And then when Dawn, um, when Tori doesn't eat it, Dawn eats the whole thing. And now I didn't notice, but it ooged me out a little bit, because I was like, did she just eat the stem? Like, did she eat the leaf part? <laughs> it, it really bothered me. I was like, I really hope they cut the... You're not supposed to eat the little the little no. green leaf part.
1: <laughs> oh, no, you're gross. not.
2: Right? Which I'm sure that's what everyone was thinking watching yeah, this. Yeah, of course. Um, absolutely. <laughs> right? Um, she starts to disrobe Tori, uh, tells her a bunch of corny kind of um, softcore porn lines, like uh, you smell like strawberries. Um, Dawn disrobes herself. Uh, I feel like I'm reading a uh, letter to Penthouse right now. <laughs> that you met. Um, and she tells her that only a woman knows how to make another woman feel good. Dawn begins to kiss her, and then Tori is reluctant at first, but then seems to embrace it. Um, just like um, all, all Cinemax movies have taught us <laughs> Always happens in these situations. Of course. Uh, but Dawn stops the tape to big boos, um, presumably because Al is very upset. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I have in my notes that Al, I was trying to think of how he looks, and then I just got to, he just looks. He has no <laughs> real emotions. <laughs> he just, like, looks at the camera. He's just, like, looking around, <laughs> attempting to think of how a human shows emotions. And then he gets out. Uh, he seen enough, and he says, that's my daughter. And Don's, Don then tells him his daughter went further. It's so, like, and then this is where I lost it. when, um, So she says that the crowd's like cheering about it, and then Al just gets completely angry and goes, stop it, damn it. <laughs> like, as they start making out on the tape, like the way he said, stop. It was like he was like um, it's not like he said stomp it. He was like stomp it, damn it. <laughs> As they start to make out, uh, Dawn tells him that this is what the people want to see. The crowd's chanting, "We want more." And then he says, "I put my foot down, damn it," <laughs> which causes Dawn to um, <laughs> to turn the tape off. Which of course gets Al Wilson booed like he's Sergeant Slaughter in um, in the early <laughs> '90s, during the Gulf War. And she says she does not want to upset Bobo, so she's going to take it off. But she has proven her point that Tori is a sexual predator, which I have no idea how anyone could get to that conclusion from watching that video. (laughs) Where Where Dawn led her into a hotel room and tried to seduce her. Not sure how Tori is a sexual predator, but Dawn wants to go make some footage of their own and her and Al leave uh leave the ring and as the final part that killed me with al is that he can't get through the rope so dawn has to pull the rope for him and he walks under the bottom rope to get out of the ring <laughs> and um i love you at the end because this is like a smackdown segment and so they have to train they're transitioning back to the raw crew and mm-hmm. so of course king is like loser and all jr says is uh, i'll never feel the same about a strawberry king king <laughs> <laughs> so a little precursor to modern day jr there but a lot to unpack, a lot to disrobe, if you will, Matt. during hey. this segment. I, uh, I don't know what to say about this.
3: This uh, this was fucking hysterical <laughs> to me. Yeah, it it's, like, it, it, it's like it's it's like a sub skinamax sub like blown away erotic thriller type thing that WWE is trying to put together, and it's fucking hilarious. Just. I I, I want to know what Al Wilson did to Taz. Like, did he piss <laughs> him off? Did he piss him off in catering or something? Like he stole <laughs> some like why does Taz hate him so much? I mean, there the, the part where uh Al grabs the mic from Dawn and says, I think we've seen enough, and Taz just goes, Shut up, Al. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Al Wilson uh, became the biggest heel on the show so far by <laughs> ordering them to shut that tape off. And mean, to the – like the crowd's chanting asshole Adam and then Dawn. Uh, this part just destroyed me. So the crowd starts chanting asshole Adam and Al Wilson just keeps – Prattling on about whatever. And then Don grabs a microphone and very calmly says, No, no, he's not an asshole. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just fucking lost it. And then Taz comes right back and says, No, he just looks like one. <laughs> 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 <sighs> This uh, this was something uh, the pay-per-view is worth watching just for this segment because it is hysterical. I I was losing my mind watching this, but, you know, like in like you said, all of a sudden now Tori is a a sexual predator in storyline. Not sure uh, how how we got there, but uh, okay, (laughs) I, I suppose so, I guess, question mark. But, uh, yeah. And, you know, in storyline, too, who does this help? What does this do for anybody? Like, I I know why they're doing it, right? Like, for human people. Because titillation and all that shit, right? Right. And I guarantee you there is people out there who bought that pay-per-view solely for that segment. That is a guarantee. But, like, as far as, like, in storyline goes, like, who's going to (laughs) gain anything out of this? How does it help Tori? How does it help Dawn? Like... Uh, it's so fucking weird like this this might be this is like katie vick level of stuff it's real it's
2: real rough it's 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 wild but i like i find it entertaining like the katie vick stuff i was like this is just dumb where for some reason this just like the level of absurdity is right it it reaches that level of like entertainment with the stuff. (laughs) like you can tell dawn is like loving that she gets to play off of this like goober <laughs> like, like he's so weird and he can't like say anything like a normal person or come off like he just seems so lost in this world <laughs> stop it damn it <laughs> like, like i want i want
3: to know the thought process and what the meetings were like setting this storyline up like to be a fly on the wall during those meetings i can't even imagine
2: Right, and the, the crowd's going to sit here in this arena and watch these two women make love. Like, what is, is that what they want? It's a, yeah, there's a lot. It, it's amazing that this is like a, a pay-per-view, set, like a main draw of this pay-per-view. You could argue <laughs> that this is the the second biggest draw on the pay-per-view. Right. Trying to get people to tune in. And honestly, the, probably the second longest-built storyline on the whole show, if going to be honest. <laughs> it really is. Like, after. After Triple H and Shawn, I mean, this shit's been going on for months. But it's not <laughs> over yet. So. No. Uh, the yeah, so quite a quite a days of our lives. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say days of our lives. No, it's, it's
3: below that. It's like. Some low-level skinamax thing, or some like direct to D- like Wild Things Five, like some some <laughs> direct, some direct to DVD thing starring like fucking Eric Roberts and Ian Ziering or something like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wild Things Five, sorry, got Al Wilson. All right, all right, all right. Let's uh, we'll compose ourselves um and and move on, as we have uh, a different kind of uh. <laughs> Uh, pairing we have next, it's going to be Batista versus Kane. So, um, definitely on paper, a big house match mm-hmm. flair. I thought, so I should mention this is Batista's first pay-per-view match, which is kind of a big deal given where his career would go, obviously. Um, and I think it is a cool, like you can kind of take it for granted now, but for Batista at this time, that flair in your corner, as like a, a guy just starting out. And this is your first pay-per-view match to have Rick flair in your corner is pretty damn cool. Like that's a cool spot for a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, he starts off. We get a lot of clubbing blows from Batista that I thought were um were were pretty good. Um like kind of lots of uh the old hossing around, like didn't just clubbing on each other. It's like I didn't find it was super intense, like not the greatest like haw stuff, like the top tier, but also it wasn't like flat and plotting, it was kind of just solid, you know, big guy slugging it out. There was a cool, uh, cool spot where he uh Batista like hits Kane almost like with a stun gun, which I was kind of surprised by nature's outfit here is very strange he is dressed like a uh, like a thespian he has like a black <laughs> turtleneck kind of de- deal on like outside and he's trying to distract um uh kane ends up uh taking care of him he chokes slams but the pin is delayed because he's selling what batista has done to him flair then ends up in the ring again long enough to take some abuse from kane he gets beat up but that allows Batista to recover and actually hit the uh, the Batista bomb for the uh, for the win, which I wasn't surprised because they definitely seem to be pushing him. But Kane is a guy that they they uh, they definitely protect. I would say so. It was it tells you what they think of Batista? They let him go in there and kind of beat Kane. You know, I know you have Flair running in, but you know, it's still a pretty big deal to beat Kane in your first pay per view match. So yeah, this was another one where I never really felt like they pushed it to another another level of intensity, but there was some fun power stuff in here, and it it didn't fall into the the biggest trap of this kind of match, which is getting into like a couple of slugs going at it and it gets real boring. Like I finally avoided that decently well, so I gave it the old right down the middle uh, two and a half stars, man.
3: Yeah, uh, I went two stars on this, uh, just like I did for Edge and A-Train. Very sim- uh, similar match in, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, newer guy facing an established veteran type of thing. Uh, I-, I love the subtle touch of having Kane's Pyro uh, light the set on fire. I thought that was really neat, uh, yeah. really neat visual. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a pretty fun power match, and really the whole point of this match was to put Batista over huge, which it does. I mean, be having him beat a guy like Kane in his first pay-per-view match uh, tells you that they have uh, some pretty big plans for Batista in the future. And I I, I thought this was pretty good. You know, on paper, it, it could have been uh, pretty rough, but I, I think – it, it, it uh, exceeded expectations and I, I thought this was pretty good. You know, it, it wasn't a clean win because you had all the, the flare interference and whatnot. But I mean, at this point, a win is a win. So it was uh filler, but it was fine filler. And I, I think I said it before on the show, I don't mind filler. If it at least has some semblance of a point to it, which mm-hmm. this is, which this does. So it gives Batista a big win. So uh, two stars for me on this.
2: Yeah, pretty fine. And, um, You know, to Kane's credit, he definitely looked like he came in wanting to put on a good match. You know, like, he didn't come in there, like, acting, like I said, acting like a slug. Like, he sold for him. He let him do some cool moves. I mean, he powerbombed him. I mean, you don't see a lot of people powerbombing Kane. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, good win for Batista. and We'll see where the future holds for him. But, um we head backstage now, and we see that Kurt wants to find Brock because he wants to speak with him about what's going to happen. Because I don't know if you know this, Matt. we got to see. Is Brock going to be in Kurt's corner?
3: Oh, no, I hadn't heard
2: that yet. <laughs> I'm glad he did this segment. All right. All, right. <laughs> All right. This this is another one where, again, we're falling into the segments here to, where it really is starting to feel like TV. Because now this was completely weird. Because so Cena comes out and he does his rap, which it had some pretty good lines in it. The um, the camera, darkness, was giving me a stroke though. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like it kept, it's like this, where Kevin Dunn discovered like this whole thing because they were just like zooming in and out on Cena, like back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's where he got the whole the the modern WWE. Um, cinematography from, he, he must I, have been I, he'd been
3: studying yeah. mtv and he decided to do all these fancy ass zoom ins and camera cuts and good lord
2: <laughs> yeah he, he studied mtv in 1991 <laughs> 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 like, but uh i thought his best line here was the one to wind up like marcia brady he's gonna wind up like Marsha brady oh my nose i thought that was the, yeah uh, that was that was a good cool. one but the weird thing about this so you're thinking like okay maybe it's just an announced match cena's going to come out with b squared and face like some random guy and it's going to be a quick five-minute match but there's just nothing he just comes and wraps and then that's it <laughs> we just like cut away to like jr and king or something or backstage and it's just nothing it's just it was real weird like they were walking to the ring like it was going to be a match like it, it seems like they would have done it i guess they want him in front of the crowd doing because there's more effect but it seems like you would I've done it backstage or something. It was just odd to have them walk out and then don't even make it to the ring. They just stay on the ramp. No it was weird. It, it was literally, a, it was literally a
3: minute long and then they never mentioned it again. Like, it's just like, are you that precise in timing this show that we need an extra minute? Cena, go out there. Like, it's just so weird.
2: Yeah. Maybe not a good thing for Cena. They're like, look, we want you to rap, but not wrestle. Cause <laughs> <That's laughs> we don't right. want you wrestling right now. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. anyway, uh, this is one of his first raps, though. I think he's done a couple. He had the rap battle with Rikishu, but this is definitely one of the first ones, so mm-hmm. historic in that sense, I guess. But I don't know. We'll keep rolling on. We now go to our uh, triple threat women's match, which is going to be a uh, Victoria versus Jackie versus Trish. Not a ton of build behind this. Our, like Jackie's kind of shoehorned in here. Really, the feud is between Trish and Victoria. And I guess for whatever reason, they don't want to go back to them in a singles match. So they've injected Jackie in here. And Stevie's involved a little bit. But uh, the match itself, so. we start off fast and furious. I found they were really laying their stuff in in this one. Like some pretty stiff shots. Um, Cool spot where uh, Trish goes for the stratisfaction and gets dumped out of the ring. That was pretty cool. Uh, Absolutely sick um, superplex by Victoria uh, on on Trish. Like, um... Like, they just attacked the match super hard up now. I thought they looked great. Victoria, most of her stuff looks pretty damn good. Um, mm-hmm. She's real impressive. Um, Laying in the kicks, like, um, it was like Victoria, uh, <laughs> Victoria Tajiri. Like, she was laying in some kicks in this match. Uh, <laughs> finally, we get to the uh, the finishing sequence. Trish has Jackie pinned, and uh, Victoria sneaks in a, uh, a side belt shot from the outside, and pulls Trish out of the wing, ring and gets in there and steals the win for herself on Jackie, which no shock there. You could kind of tell that was Jackie's whole purpose in this match. But I thought this was real fun for the time they were given. It was only about five minutes, and they were really knocking the piss out of each other. Not really their fault, but I would say the downside to it is they were doing a lot of stuff, but it felt like they knew they didn't have enough a lot of time to do what they wanted to do. And so it really felt like they were rushing through everything, like trying to hit all their spots super quickly because they know they only have four or five minutes to do what they want to do, which is a shame. Like, I feel like if they had a little more time to flesh it out and kind of sell what they were doing and let things build a bit more, it could have been even better. But I ended up going two and three quarter. I thought this was better than than you would expect. Um, Definitely Trish and, and Victoria, you know, carried this by far.
3: Yeah, um, 100% right there with you. I went two and a half on it. Uh, Better than I feel like the standard women's match you would have seen at this point. Just mm-hmm. like you said, a really fun sprint. Just five minutes. They give them five minutes, go out there nonstop. Just a ton of fun. Like you said, that, that superplex by Victoria was fantastic. Uh, there was a nasty kick by Trish to Jackie at one point. That looked awesome was uh was a bit sloppy at points but it was just real mm-hmm. real fun it had a real brisk pace to it. it never slowed down so yeah fun stuff here two and a half for me
2: yeah it was a it was a fun i i should mention too but uh, king was very jazzed about victoria's choice of uh, gear here because she actually wore the uh the short kind of trunks and they were uh, they were flesh colored so king yeah, yes, was uh, yes,
3: they
2: were. he was he was he was having a field day he's uh in <laughs> Enjoyed these tights, but yeah, good match. I, I wish they would give them, like you said, Matt, obviously a show where with the main event and all this kind of filler stuff we've seen, it would not have killed them to give them extra like three minutes to let this match right. breathe a little bit where I didn't feel like they were like constantly trying to get from spot to spot, but mm-hmm. not really their fault. All right. <laughs> we go backstage again. And angle is convincing Brock that he should be in his corner. <laughs> um, by telling him that it's his chance to get back at Heyman. Brock says that if he got the suspension lifted, he won't regret it. Uh, saying that if angle is the one who did it, and angle, it um, uh, shows the tape of Heyman screwing Brock, which uh, tells Brock that that should be his motivation, which is weird. Cause it's like, I'm sure Brock has seen this numerous times. <laughs> they like, Like, are they showing this as if Brock hasn't seen it? Like it happened like a month ago. I don't know. It's, you know, more of this. It doesn't matter. Just be like, Brock wants to get revenge on Heyman. Like, the, you don't even have to interact with Angle. They don't even have to be like pals or whatever. I don't know. Five
3: seconds. It. They did five segments trying to beat this storyline <laughs> like like a dead fucking horse. It's unbelievable.
2: Right. <laughs> right. It's like they knew that the match, it's like all these big show, this whole big show title reign thing since it started it's like they feel like they have to it's like they know big show is kind of just there so they have to do all this extra stuff to try and add intrigue to it because they know that big show is like just i don't know just like a <laughs> it's kind of not very exciting
3: right right well he's a he's a transitional champion let's be right. real i mean he's
2: he's right, not a guy absolutely. who's gonna,
3: he's, he's not a guy who's gonna hold the heavyweight title for six months ever you know at this point I sh- anyway i should say but yeah, at, they know uh, they know what Big Show is at this point, <laughs> and they're right. not trying I to hide it.
2: it. Was oh, one of the last few. Like, I forget if Rocco said this or Tyler on one of the last episodes, but that he basically would be walking around with a t-shirt that says "Transitional Champion" on it, <laughs> which, I was, right. which I thought was very, uh, very accurate. It's a good way of putting it. But we will, um, we'll head to the WWE title match. It's going to be Big Show versus Angle. Um, and it's also weird to me in this whole thing, and you mentioned earlier, Matt, that it really seems that it's still kind of about Brock and showing Heyman, which it kind of makes Angle the third wheel, which Angle is not a guy who should be a third wheel. Like, he should be the star of whatever he's doing because he's awesome and arguably like the MVP of all of 2002 WWE. So yeah. it's weird that that's the guy you're going to have as the third wheel. It's like, no, you should be leaning on him, um, which right. they do in this match. So, yeah. Right. And it, it becomes like we've said all show, even during the match it's it becomes really grating that even during the match all they can talk about is Brock being in the corner, blah blah blah. But uh this is just kind of your typical big show match, um, with the added Kurt Angle jazz to it, and that Kurt's awesome and he brings a certain amount of awesomeness to anything he does. So you get Show tossing him around like he does to everybody, but uh Like, Angle turns it around by biting him Um, after neutralizing Heyman pretty early. He just knocks Heyman off the apron, uh, beats his shit for a couple seconds, and then it's just kind of Angle and Big Show. Really great. I thought Angle did a really good job of getting over, like, his uh, desperation against Big Show, like that he's really having to pull everything out because, again, kind of like Edge earlier, it's cool because you don't really think of Angle as a a little guy playing the role of the little guy, but against Big Show, basically anyone is a little guy um he hits an angle slam on him which was super impressive uh but big show's able to kick out of that he gets the ankle lock on him but um um show is able to escape that uh rolls and he rolls him into an ankle lock again and um like uh, the, the reversal here was pretty sick. Like the way he rolled Big Show into it, a guy that big to roll him into it. And, you know, kudos to Show for doing it. And I thought it was believable too because Kurt is such a brick shit house. Like you could buy him rolling up the Big Show back into the ankle lock. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ref gets hit here. So here comes Heyman in with the chair. Kurt ends up stealing the chair and plasters Big Show with it, but that's still not enough to take down the giant. We get an A train run in here, then Brock runs in. He F five Show like absolutely nothing, just launches him. It's like physically mm-hmm. ridiculous, mm-hmm. like how much he just throws Big Show up. He chases Paul up the ramp. Kurt ends up getting the cover and winning the title to a big pop from the crowd, and Kurt Angle is our new WWE champion. So this one you know it kind of has the the you know it can only go so far even with a guy like kurt when you have 2002 big show who just looks not good i mean i didn't mention it i've beaten it to the ground but his black jeans and his tank top (laughs) he looks like crap like really looks rough but uh like like survivor series the whole like it was fine i ended up going like two and a half on it for mainly because i thought kurt was awesome in it but you got a lot of a lot of bullshit at the end. I feel like you, I feel like it kind of sucks that Kurt had to have Brock come in and F five him, and then mm-hmm. picks up the win that way after he kicked out of the angle slam. That kind of sucked. But the whole thing of this match, it's just like the Survivor Series match. It was less about the match. It was just a means to an end. It was just a way to get. Right. It was the Survivor Series match was to get the title off of Kurt. I mean, off of Brock, and this one was to get it off of Big Show into Angle, so we could dispose of Big Show out <laughs> of the title scene and move on to other things. So, for that, I went two and a half on it. I think Kurt carried his in well, and hopefully, the Big Show transition is finally complete.
3: Yeah, uh, I am at two and a half on this as well. Uh, I-, I thought it was a pretty solid, like David versus Goliath style to this. And I mean, show, like you said, he did bring his working boots <laughs> with him tonight. <laughs> so, uh, that was good. And that was interesting. Like you said, I liked angle showing the desperation by biting big show and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm going to mention the crowd again because I thought they were not great mm-hmm. <laughs> during this, I mean, right. w- D- WWE title match and they're just fucking sitting on their hands for most of it. I mean, they popped when it, when uh, Brock finally came out, but it was almost like and it's that thing you run into when you run into storylines like this where oh, there people are expecting interference is like was the crowd just watching the rampway waiting for Brock to come out type of thing? Like it almost it almost felt like that to me. Uh, but I, I did think it was uh, pretty good for what it was. Like I said, show brought his working boots. Uh, Lesnar coming out in f 5 show will never not be impressive to me. Mm-hmm. This, uh, it's like he, he just he throws him like he's fucking made a construction paper. It's unbelievable the way he's just able to lift him up on his shoulders, hold him there and spin him around. It's it's fucking crazy. Um, I, I do wish that. Angle would have hit a move on show to win the match instead of having it be just Brock hitting the F5. Like even if you slap the ankle lock on show and the referee Mm -hmm. calls for the bell because show is passed out. Some it's just something so that it makes it seem like angle was the one to beat show and not Brock something in that. Uh, it did get a bit overbooked at the end with the Brock interference with the a train interference, but I I do think it kind of made sense in the storyline as we've seen 17 times during this pay-per-view that Brock Lesnar was going to show up. So, I mean, I kind of get it, but yeah, show worked his ass off and Kurt Angle is Kurt Angle. So two and a half for me.
2: Right. No, it's a good point. The crowd wasn't. And I mean, you you can't really blame them because the, The heat is really not on show and angle and they haven't as good as angle is They haven't really made him a key part of this So it's like the crowds going into this thinking like well, can angle conquer the the giant? No, they're thinking well, when's Brock gonna run in like it's like everybody knows this is just it's like just a Like I said, a means to an end. It's just a -hmm. a match to get the title off a big show So it's hard to really get that excited unless you're seeing you know a few moments where it gets kind of cool, but as far as the idea of the match, no one's really, you know, getting excited. But hopefully, we'll move on and get back to, um, you know, the uh, some much better matches in the WWE title storyline, which I think we will.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But with that, we'll now get ready for our big main event match, which is going to be the two out of three falls, three stages of hell, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, <laughs> match between Triple H and HBK for the World Heavyweight Championship. But before we do this, we need to find out what Rob Van Dam thinks about this. So Mm -hmm. we head to WWE the world uh, where Rob pretty much just says, uh, I don't know. I've wrestled both guys. I think Sean's going to win. That's about all he says. Yeah, uh, absolute Travesty that Rob Van Dam that, you know, a train is wrestling on the show and Rob Van yep. Dam is stuck at WWE. The world is he, ridiculous. Took, he
3: <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. I was literally just about to say, why is All RVD right. not wrestling on the show? He would have given this show a boost that it desperately needs.
2: <laughs> At this point. no time for you Rob no time. No,
3: no, we got time for uh, 17 segments about whether Brock Lesnar is gonna interfere we got time for wild things five to air on the big screen And we have time for a John Cena minute-long rap battle, but RVD. No, you have to go to New York
2: <laughs> uh, he, he looked like completely Like, he was wearing, like, the most, like, kind of ratty gray shirt. Like, he looked (laughs) like he just rolled out of bed. He probably did. He just rolled out of bed, did his bong, and went to (laughs) WWE New York. Anyway. Sorry, the world, not New York. Anyway. The world, yes, please. All right, so we will get into this. Of course, the first fall is going to be a street fight between these two, which... Already it's gonna be rough for them to beat the street fight that they had at SummerSlam, but here we are. Uh they flare gets tossed quickly. The ref kicks him out, so remember that and see if that lasts. Um, I thought it was a good uh framing by JR, like in this whole feud. They're still kind of pushing the feud from SummerSlam that you know Triple H doesn't want to be in Sean's shadow and that Sean held him down. But JR gives us that that um Triple H has had ten title reigns since Shawn, as since Shawn's been gone. Whereas when Shawn was around, he only had two. So I thought that was a good little stat to kind of build the story. Uh, you get so we start off pretty standard brawling. They have the trash can. I thought the spot where Shawn dived into the trash can to the outside while Triple H is holding it was pretty cool. Uh, Triple H counters all the high risk stuff. Like they're really framing it that he's kind of has a counter for all the Shawn's big moves. But then Sean kind of gives him a taste of his own medicine as he hits the backbreaker on the chair to uh, Hunter as like a callback to, to Triple H on him. And you could tell pretty early on as they're into that, like that sounds like a cool spot, but it's just everything is just lacking in any kind of it's like all the intensity that the SummerSlam match had is just completely not there for this. It's just mm-hmm. the crowd is they're not getting the crowd into it. They're not really biting on the big spots very much. It just feels like it's just something missing. So we keep going. Triple H is at it with the leg work. He's working on the legs, kind of doing a little flare impression here. He goes to the figure four, kind of works that for a while. They end up brawling outside of the ring, up the ramp towards the uh, the uh set, which, as you recall earlier, said so was on fire. Triple H pulls a barbed wire two by four out of nowhere. I guess he had it hiding somewhere for this occasion. Uh, but then he, then we have this moment where they do this whole deal where he sees the fire and becomes like fire starter for a second. Where <laughs> uh, what well, this Jr. says is he's mesmerized by the he's fire, mesmerized. and he just stares at it for like ten straight seconds. It was real goofy. Uh, <laughs> And he lights the, the – which, like, it has to be that this thing had some accelerant on it because, I mean, it touches oh, the fire God, for, yeah. like, <laughs> one second, and it just ignites. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't happen with a normal piece of wood. So he lights it on fire and then slowly um, comes at Sean with it. Sean kicks it away and then grabs it and hits Triple H with it. But And, look, I understand. You don't want to burn the dude's head. But you have to find a way to make this look better. Like, if you're going to do it, it has to look It's, like, the weakest swing. Like, he just barely... Like, it has no ass behind the swing. It just... He, like, puts it towards his face and, like, barely grazes his face. And then, yeah, they're trying to sell it to us. Like, good Lord, good Lord. And, like, you get a little bit of the holy shit chants and stuff from the crowd. But it is not like they are not like it's not edge going through the flaming table it's not when foley lights it on fire at at, um in the hell in the cell with triple h it's just everything that they're doing is just not hitting the way that they want it Mm -hmm. just it's like it just all feels flat and so we end up in the ring triple h wins kind of anticlimactically with a pedigree kind of out of nowhere and that ends our first fall so Matt, we'll kind of we'll talk about each of these falls. G- give me your thoughts on the. I've kind of in I'm breaking it down, kind of given you a bit of what I think of it. But what did you think of this first fall, of the street fight?
3: Boy. Uh, uh, plotting, real plotting, the uh, uh, leg work, <coughs> uh, very boring. Uh, like you said, the, uh, the barbed wire 2x4 shot was uh, – at least it was something that happened in the match.
2: Right, Because right.
3: there was not much, much prior to that. I, I, I think they used, they used a trash can at one point, but that was about it for mm-hmm. the previous 10 minutes. And even, like you said, even uh, uh, getting hit with the barbed wire 2x4, that didn't even pop the crowd all that much. Mm-hmm. Like nothing they are doing right now is working in this match. And it's just, it's real slow. It's real plotting, And, you know, Triple H had the leg taped up, the the thigh Mm -hmm. all taped up, and he was noticeably limping at points Mm -hmm. during this first fall. So I don't know if that maybe played a role into it, if he was nursing an injury and just wanted to kind of grit and balls his way (laughs) through this match. But and you know maybe the adrenaline hadn't kicked in yet and that's why he was favoring it but yeah it's just real rough and then the the pedigree finish coming out of nowhere even the blade job Triple H had after he gets hit by the 2x4 wasn't great it's like a paper cut right. it's just it's it's not great all around with an anticlimactic anticlimactic uh, finish to this uh very tedious first fall
2: yeah yeah you make a good point with the leg but the yeah, and the counter to that is well, don't put yourself in a forty-minute fucking match. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, it's the same thing. Uh, ran into it. It kind of has the vibe of the uh, the Austin Undertaker match that I covered really early in the pod. I forget exactly mm. what pay per view it was. Like uh, I want to say it was like Judgment Day or something. But mm. same sort of thing. It was like I think Undertaker was maybe hurt in that one, but it had the same thing. And I think what's hurting them too is that when they do work up to something like you say, where it feels like something's happening, like the the barbed wire two by four on fire and like the the bigger spots like the backbreaker, it's like all the connective tissue is so lame Mm -hmm. and like kind of just falling flat that it's not building to any of these big spots. So it's just like, all right, we're just kind of meandering around. Oh, look at the big spot. That was cool. Awesome. Like it's not, there's nothing kind of building you up to it. So it just kind of, doesn't really hit it's it's a for a match Mm -hmm.
3: uh, for a match this big it's the first fall feels very like going through the motions just getting this fucking show out of the way type of thing
2: yeah like uh absolutely and so what's not going to help this is that so now we go to our second fall which is a cage which is a very strange (laughs) like for the second fall (laughs) so now we're waiting for the cage to lower and the crowd is completely tepid both of them are busted open at this point. Like, lots of grinding on the cage as Sean's kind of getting thrown around it. Uh, and I should mention this is pinfall or escape rules. So, you know, the dread escape rules. They both end up trying to climb to the top to escape. They're kind of – Sean's hanging by his leg. They do the whole fighting on the top of the cage for a while. And they're just, like, sitting up there while Flair has snuck his way back out. He starts setting up tables, and he ends up stacking, like – um two tables on top of two tables. So we have this like four table contraption that he's constructed stacked up. And the whole time while he's doing that, they're doing pretty much jack shit on the top (laughs) of the cage. Just like standing up there, like Mm -hmm. giving each other like clothes, like like, clearly just waiting for Flair to set up the tables. Uh, Presumably because Triple H wants to throw Sean off the cage into him. Um, They get back in the ring after this. Uh, Triple H back to the mat, hits the elbow Uh, Triple H hits him at they hit Sean hits the elbow and this match is like I mentioned a second. It's just not building any momentum Nothing's really like stringing together. The crowd's not getting into it Uh, Flair actually sneaks his way in and actually Gets a little bit of energy going in here as Sean beats him down. He gets hit with the chair uh Flair and Nate get hit by the chair. Nate is bleeding, of course, and like I have to say as we get to the end of this, his blade job puts theirs to shame. Like, Man, it sure does. Like, st- you, like you said it a minute ago, like theirs look like paper cuts, like kind of not a whole lot of blood. And then Nate is just fucking <laughs> pouring blood. Like he looks massacred. Uh, as Sean hits the, um, the sweet shit, ch- I also like that he was in there for like literally 90 seconds, and he's just bleeding, of course, like. <laughs> Uh, Sean hits the sweet trim music but doesn't go for the cover he climbs to the top of the cage as the final the crowd comes live a little bit and he hits a splash through a table for the second fall as he gets the pin and so yeah this is when they lift the cage up and, and Flair is just like I feel like it was like when they bleed so much that you feel like you could see like the blood coagulating into like a big mm-hmm. chunk on his head it was <laughs> savage. But uh, what did you? The thing about the cage is that, and, and we'll get to it in this third fall. So now we're tied up, I should say. Sean wins the second fall, so now we're tied. Is that now, like you said, the the street fight was real plotting. This felt like an extremely rushed version of a cage match. Like, like it was slow, but at the same time, it's like they went through all the beats of a cage match in like seven minutes or something. Right
3: yeah it, it, it's a weird thing it it was faster paced than the first fall but also nothing really happened in it <laughs> outside for sean doing the splash off the top uh rick flair took more bumps in that 90 seconds than triple h took in that in this <laughs> entire match <laughs> to this point so and it, it's funny you made mention of them fighting on top of the cage it was literally as soon as flair set up that final table triple agent sean were back in the ring they climbed down it <laughs> yep. Almost at the exact same time and got back in the ring. so obviously they were absolutely waiting for him to set that um, set the tables up. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I liked this fall better than the first one just because it wasn't a, tw- a 20 minute slog. it was a a, a, a seven minute man as opposed to a 20 minute slog, which uh, I guess I'll take. but uh, yeah, just nothing is working in this match to this point just absolutely not even the splash mm-hmm. off the top of the cage pretty big spot sean michaels risking fucking injury during right. this spot and the crowd just does very few of them give a fuck but i mean it's i mean there's parts of this match uh, this uh, this section of this match, where you could hear a mouse take a piss in that building, it's just <laughs> nothing. Nothing is fucking working, and it, it's just, it's real rough to watch. I'm just glad the second fall was uh, shorter than the first. It's yeah. This is-
2: yeah it's the same thing. It's like, that is a cool spot when he hits the, when he dives off the cage, but it's like the crowd's been sitting on their hands for like eight minutes. So by the time it comes, it's like they, they've been worked into like the opposite of a frenzy. They've been worked into like a coma. So it's hard for them to like break out of their coma because they're so like checked out on what's going on. Like right. it's hard. You can't just expect them to, to pop for that when they've been looking at nothing forever. It's just, it's building. It's like, I always think about like rick flair like i always feel like he just has and that's why he's so great is he has this like preternatural natural ability to just kind of know the rhythm of a match and how to slowly build things and i felt like this was like the antithesis of it it's like right. they just built absolutely no momentum and no rhythm to right. anything
3: it's like triple h and sean are going out there and they're going to work the match they want to work whether
2: or not the crowd likes it
3: <laughs> it feels right. kind of like that I get I totally triple get H
2: so, selling like he's Kane in 1998. is not good either. Like he was just doing <laughs> no. the, like, um, like where you get hit and all he does is like flip his hair back to sell. It's not really getting anybody no. into the intensity of the match, but all right. So, um, we go to the third fall. They, they roll Ric Flair's bloody carcass <laughs> out of the ring. And, um, Sean gets the ladder. He hammers triple H with the ladder. Uh, Kind of a dumb move as he wears Triple H down, climbs to the top of the ladder, so you could easily win the match at this point and grab the belt. But instead he uh climbs a ladder to uh just to like miss a splash off the top of the ladder, which I mean you just hit the splash off the cage. Why do this again, Sean? But the, the sound it makes when he hits is yeah. pretty, like the splat. He fucking
3: uh, he kissed the <laughs> fucking mat. It was real
2: rough. <laughs> Yeah, they show that um, it's a pretty cool like, camera angle. They have this like, I guess like the ladder cam at the top where the belt's hanging, and mm-hmm. you could see it from the top and him just smacking the mat. It's like, oh it's like he's probably <laughs> thinking about going back into retirement after that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it really. looks rough, but uh, so he's kind of out of it now. So Triple H goes up the ladder, Sean follows him, and um, and it seems like I'm going to the through this fast, but it's extremely fast. Like you just get a few. Uh, Ladder shots Sean hits the misses the big splash and now we're on top of the ladder basically there's really not a whole lot else that happens here and then um, it's like we just express pass to the final stretch of a ladder match it's like a couple ladder shots uh, somebody hits a big spot and now both guys are climbing (laughs) up the ladder so they're both at the top Sean goes to the top and gets pushed off and of course he falls over the top rope into the tables that uh Rick had set up earlier and he is completely wiped out. He uh, it almost ends up pretty nasty. You could see him when he falls trying to block the the like metal from the tables from like hitting him in the eye or something. But he's completely wiped out. Triple H grabs the belt, the crowd goes mild, and <laughs> triple H is once again the world heavyweight champion, probably to no one's surprise because you figured they weren't gonna run with Sean for too long. And that is the end of the match. Like, just it's like a sterile would be the the uh, the word I would use to describe. It's like an extreme, a long, very sterile match with like a few good spots. I would say we'll bring in. So, Matt, you host Pizza the Action, uh podcast where you watch action movies, and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you're a big Rocky fan. This match is like, and not to go like Bill Simmons, like pop culture comparison, but <laughs> it's like, it is like Rocky 2. Like if SummerSlam, the SummerSlam mm-hmm. match is Rocky, this is Rocky 2, where it's like, they had this great thing. You had the comeback story, all this. It's like a bloody war, and this is like Rocky Two. Whenever Adrian and Rocky are like sitting in the pet store, mumbling to each other, like <laughs> just like so much like meandering, and just doesn't capture the magic of the previous one. Um, and so, yeah, it's just I I don't know what will be Rocky Four, but it this is the Rocky Two. It just feels so bland is the only way you can say it so i ended up this is a tough match to rate i ended up going to which part of me is like is that low but then part of me is like that kind of seems generous because it's just so long it's such a huge time investment for like nothing it builds no flow the three gimmicks didn't work because, like they, the they had to blow through them so quick that they couldn't really build much around any of the, the ladder or the cage. And the most time was the street fight, which was just them kind of meandering around for a while. But yeah, th- this is a rough one. A, a rough, yeah, a rough way to end the show.
3: Well, Jake, you'll be happy to know that I I also I also went two stars on this. So, right. <laughs> you are yeah, again it's an extremely tough match to rate cuz like honestly, talking through it again here, I, I could be talked into going lower <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It's right, just Right, uh, it's just real rough. It, it, you're coming off one of the hottest matches in WWE history, which at Shawn Michaels and Triple H at SummerSlam 02 to this the very next match they one-on-one match they have with one another is this what the fuck happened here like how could this go so wrong when the first one everything worked it's it's wild it's really wild um yeah, the latter match fall, uh, not much, obviously. It's literally mm-hmm. five minutes. I mean, the, the spot where uh, Sean goes through the tables is a pretty iconic spot it, that it finally woke up the crowd a little bit <laughs> into this match. It took Shawn Michaels nearly killing himself to finally wake up <laughs> the crowd, but it happened. Like, th- that's a spot that. I don't know if you remember those uh, Don't Try This At Home stingers that mm-hmm. used to air, like, before all yeah. the DVDs. That spot was in there for years, so a pretty iconic spot unfortunately it's in a bad match <laughs> but uh yeah the whole thing slow plotting easily could have cut time off of it there was no reason for this to go 38 minutes especially when you look at the rest of the card when you have you know three ma- three other matches on this card go 6 minutes like th- there's just <laughs> no reason for this to go nearly 40 minutes especially when you didn't have 40 minutes of stuff to do when you sat you sat around for a good portion of this match um I get the other thing I'll say too about the stip is I get not wanting to do a street fight again. Cause you just did that at SummerSlam. And I mean, even though they did it in the first fall, it's, you know, there's two other falls and like the natural progression of this feud would have told me that maybe they do like a hell in a cell here, mm-hmm. but then that would have also been the third one <laughs> for the year. And mm-hmm. they had just had one two months earlier. So I get, you know, you don't want to do that. I would guess, why not just do a ladder match here? It's, it's, I was about th- to say the same exact thing. Yeah, the, like. <laughs> third, the, the third fall is a ladder match anyway. You don't even have to change the finish. Y- you just chop the match, I don't know, in half, have them go 20 minutes instead of 40, and just right. have, them do a, have them do a ladder match, and you can play up, which they were already doing on TV leading mm-hmm. into this to begin with, you can play up that, oh, the ladder match is Shawn Michaels, Match, how is Triple H going to be able to overcome this? Like, to me, like, that would have been easy. Just do a ladder match here. I think that, with you know, not having it go 40 minutes alongside of that, that could have been super interesting. But this, uh, absolutely was not interesting. So, uh, two
2: stars, and honestly, I feel that's high (laughs) for this, right? Right, no, I'm with you. I was about to say the same thing do the ladder match, which. Because they did this thing, the ladder match is five minutes, and they have absolutely no time to even, even though they played up on TV, they they don't play up, like, they don't have any time to really get across the whole Sean's the master of the ladder match thing. Like, if anything, he looks like he's not because it's a really (laughs) dumb decision to not win the match when he could. Right, exactly. Right, because how are they possibly going to build up that story when the ladder match is part of this is five minutes? Yeah, it's, I don't know why, I don't know. It's like they were going for this epic and they didn't. And it's and you wonder you don't want to rate it too low because you're like, well, they didn't really like. It wasn't like bad, like screwing things up or like sucking like that. Like most of it is like technically fine, but it's just there's it absolutely no juice to it. It's I'm telling you it's 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 like it's Rocky too, the weakest of the Rockies. By the way, <laughs> yes. I don't know if you agree, Matt. <laughs> but, Uh I might have well, five. five.
3: I, I might have right. five lower, but two is right there uh, with it.
2: So well, yeah. If we, <laughs> yeah, I guess if we take five into consideration, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's just and it, we end the show, on that, and then it's just kind of it's kind of a bummer in the show. So overall thoughts on the show. This one, this is a rough one to grade because. You know, there's not a lot of bad on this show. You don't really get any real stinker matches, but you also don't really get anything super great. I mean, the Eddie Benoit match is really good, but, you know, most of the matches are hovering in that like, two- to three-star range where they're all solid. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to ding it for—the main two things would be by having a completely flat main event that takes up a third of the show— And I find the show didn't flow well. There was just so many, for a pay-per-view, there's so many little backstage segments that kind of just break up the natural. You know, to go back to SummerSlam O2, when you watch that show, it just flies by because they just, it just moves and moves. Like, in this one, you just felt like every time you saw a match, you just got some weird empty segment and it just broke up the show. And a lot of times you felt like you were watching you know, an episode of SmackDown or Raw rather than watching Mm -hmm. a pay-per-view, which is not ideal. So uh, I think I'm going to go, I think I'll go four and a half out of 10, like just a tad below average because just because there was nothing like actively like any duds or anything. Mm -hmm. um, But I feel like you can't, I think it's got to be below average just because that main event tanks it a bit.
3: Yeah, uh, I had a hell of a time trying to figure out yeah. a final rating for this. It's tough. Like it, it all depends on what you weigh, right? Like how heavily mm-hmm. do you weigh the the dull main event as opposed to something like Eddie Benoit? And I ultimately went down the middle. Uh, I went five mm-hmm. out of ten. Right. It's just if the main event was a skosh better, like I, I probably would have gone higher. And I feel like, I mean like you said nothing was actively bad on this show but there was also nothing like truly great like my highest rating was three and a half for eddie benoit not
2: much so. that was actively good
3: either. <laughs> right, exactly it, it's a it's a very like down the middle average show which is why i i ended up rating it as such so uh five out of ten for me mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: for this yeah, I'm pretty close to you. I, yeah, it's definitely in that straight down the middle range. I, w- I would agree. Whether you you know split hairs and go four and a half, five, it's definitely that's the ballpark for sure. But um, I think so. If we go to our awards, I think best match, we both would say Eddie Benoit pretty easily. Absolutely. Uh, best moment? This was you know not a show of many huge. Mar- <laughs> I was. I think I'll probably go the Booker T and Goldust win. I was torn because I was kind of going Angle's win, but that one's. You know, it's cool that he wins, but it's, like, not really a big moment for him because he just kind of <laughs> covers him after Brock F5s him. So I'll probably go Booker T and Goldust having their moment, I guess. Uh,
3: yeah, that's a good one, but uh, t- Taz uh, verbally eviscerating the <laughs> shit out of Al Wilson, who's pretty great, uh, as was uh, the main event ending. <laughs> Was uh, when the sh- when that match finally was over. It was a great moment. <laughs> I was very happy when that match ended. But uh, yeah, uh, a Booker T winning is a good moment. So I'll go with that.
2: Um, LVP. I think I'm going to have to go with Triple H. Um, and I'm trying not to be like put it all in Triple H because I mean there's two in that match. But I do feel in that main event that Sean brought a little bit more. Like I would say most of the bright spots were sean related, like him trying, to, like you said, trying to literally kill himself to. Try and get the crowd to react, so I'll, I'll give Triple H LVP. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, th- I think you have to go with Triple H here. I mean, <laughs> HBK bumped his ass off trying to save that match, and it just it, it didn't work. He basically bumped for himself and for Triple H in this match because Triple H really didn't bump all that match all that much. So, I, yeah, I, I think you have to go Triple
2: H here. Uh, MVP, I think. <laughs> I think you kind of almost tie between Eddie and Benoit, but I'm I'm gonna lean Eddie just because I don't know. I'm just an Eddie guy, I guess.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I struggled with this one too. <laughs> I I also mm. wrote down Eddie and Benoit, so I I mean I, I guess uh, give it to both, I, I suppose. And you know what? Uh, I think I think you got to mention Angle here too for mm-hmm. getting a a watchable <laughs> match out of uh, Gene's Big
2: Show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, black denim, big show, <laughs> black, black denim tank top, big show. Was, yeah. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. So if we go into our, um, like our standout performers, not MVPs, but people I thought looked good. I definitely had angle on there. I thought gold I thought he was really good. And like, I feel like he really drew the crowd in there with the sympathy. They were really behind him in that match. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I thought Victoria looked great in the women's match. She was awesome. Like, uh, that superplex was absolutely sick um edge kind of for the same reason i thought he carried himself pretty well and showed like a, a different side of himself a bit in, that, in his match and i was trying to think of anyone else like Taz, like you said for uh <laughs> for roasting out i don't know rick flair for you know <laughs> you know busting an artery <laughs> for literally no reason
3: rick flair for stealing the show in the
2: main event
3: <laughs> right uh yeah for so for top five i went uh angle I, for the same reason i just said getting that match out of big show uh, i think you have to have both eddie and benoit here uh i think you have to have booker t here as well and i will also give a nod to victoria
2: right al wilson did not make the cut unfortunately no
3: <laughs> Qu- quite the bummer just just missed it. very close biggest heel, biggest shitting- heel on this night. <laughs>
2: Right. We should have uh, given him a little bit. He, he, he got pretty close to emulating human emotions by trying to show him. <laughs> so you give him a little honorable mention for old Al here. Uh, anyway, but um, that wraps us up uh, you know, not the greatest pay-per-view I've done in the pod so far, but certainly a, an interesting one. I think, a fun one to go through just because I didn't remember much of what happened on this show. But it it, it definitely had strong December pay-per-view energy. But uh, thanks <laughs> for coming on, Matt. Would you like to uh, tell us what you have going on?
3: Well, Jake, always a pleasure to be on this fine program of yours. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me right here on the No-So Wrestling. Wrestling feed on the extreme three-way dance where we look at ECW we are currently in 1996 so give that a listen that is a fantastic show if I do say so myself Uh, you can find me over on the place to be nation wrestling feed over on the now returning highway to the impact zone as we are back we are in full swing uh the first episode of our return is out now and I think by the time you're hearing this, the second episode of our return should be recorded. So uh, give those a listen and you can find me over on the place to me nation pop feed on my show that I host that Jake has already mentioned piece of the action, which is a action movie live watch podcast. That is a ton of fun to do. So check all that out. Uh, Should have a new episode of that out sometime in February. So keep an eye out for that. And you can find me on Twitter at msusa 1991
2: very good. Check out everything Matt's doing. Um, I, Logan won't like this reference, but uh, yeah, on the Highway to the Impact Zone, I'm like uh, Ralphie counting down to Christmas, waiting <laughs> for someone you know, to show up. <laughs> like,
3: much chose my
2: Red Rider BB gun.
3: We're all like that at this point. <laughs> we're so damn close.
2: Yeah, glad to be doing that one again that's a real fun show to do but uh, again thanks for coming on Matt as for me I will be back in two weeks as always um, come hell or high water um, with another episode of this one and we will continue just a few weeks left of the year 2002 and it will be on to 2003 which is sure to be an interesting one but thanks for listening as always and um, uh, avoid the end of the world because as we heard in this, uh, in the theme for this show the end is near